So I'm going to share with you um, a story today. The, the series that this church is in is about the parables of Jesus. And we're going to be reading today the parable of the sower. But before I do that, I just want to say, I know that Jesus used these parables to teach. But it seems like, it seems like that perhaps this particular story that Jesus is telling Maybe he was telling it because he's trying to make sense of what has just taken place. Maybe he's just trying to make sense of the last day. See, it all began, it was either a late Friday night after sundown, it was the Sabbath, or maybe it was during the day on Saturday. Whenever it was, it was the Sabbath, and and um, several things happened in the course of that day uh, that... Um, that led to the telling of this parable. So first of all, what happened was that as he and his disciples were walking along, they were walking along a field, and they started plucking grain because they were hungry. Just, just grain out of the field and rubbing the chaff off and popping it in their mouth, I guess. I, don't, I guess that's how you would eat grain as you were walking through a field, right? And, um, but, but that was against the law. And not because they were stealing, um, but because it was a measure of work, of creative work that they were doing. That is to harvest and take the chaff off of the grain. Those were parts of creative work of baking bread. And so that was against the Sabbath law. You had to refrain from doing those things because God had refrained from creative work on the seventh day. But here were those disciples walking through the field, plucking grains, of, uh, plucking grains out of the field and eating them. So that was the first thing that happened. The next thing that happened was that he went to the synagogue and there was this man with a withered hand. And if you had a withered hand, you certainly, it was going to impact your economic life. You might not be able to put in a full day's work or at least not be as effective and efficient in doing the work that was before you if you had a withered hand. And so there Jesus is. He meets this man who is ill, who is, who's, who's having an ailment, and, and he decides to heal him there in, in the synagogue. And that was also frowned upon, healing. And then uh, some people brought to him a man who had a demon, it says, and so he cast this demon out. And so all of these things were met by the religious leaders of that day with consternation and criticism. They had broken the law by, by plucking grain and eating it on the Sabbath. They had... Jesus had broken the law by healing someone on the Sabbath. That was doing work. And then they actually called him the devil himself and said, it must be the devil who gives you authority to cast out demons. And then after all that, they had the audacity to come and say, give us a sign. Can you imagine that after doing all of that? <laughs> that that wasn't sign enough? They said, give us a sign. Now, I've had some hard days in ministry. <laughs> but this particularly seems like a hard day in doing ministry. So it says then that after that, he left the house 
and he went and sat along the sea. Maybe he just needed some downtime, but he went and sat by the sea. What do you suppose he was thinking as he sat by the sea? After having been, been criticized, after having poured out his own power to heal, and it wasn't good enough, what do you suppose was on his mind as he sat by the sea that day? Maybe he was thinking something like, what's it going to take for these folks? Maybe he was thinking, how can people of faith be so faithless? Maybe he was thinking, you know, it's just never good enough. Maybe there was a little bit of righteous anger in him. I don't know. All I can tell you is how I would be feeling after a day like that when it wasn't enough. I would be a little miffed. I would be hurt. I would be sad. I would be maybe crying a little bit, (laughs) something like that. Maybe he wondered, how is it that religious folks can be so mad at him for healing on the Sabbath, but then they went out to decide how to destroy him on the Sabbath? On the Sabbath, they made plans to destroy him. Maybe he just wondered, how is it that people can be in the presence of the fullness of the love of God and miss it completely? Whatever it was that was going through his mind as he sat by the sea, people ended up gathering around him as they always did. And so it was in that context, after that series of events and him sitting by the sea, that then he told the parable of the sower. So let's hear that parable now from Matthew chapter 13. Hear this word of the Lord. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. Such great crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat there while the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables saying, listen, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and they sprang up quickly since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them, and other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Let anyone with ears listen. Let that be our prayer for today, too. Let anyone with ears hear. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So obviously, this is a story that illustrates how the good works and the message of hope that Jesus comes to bring into the world, sometimes it lands in not-so-productive places, right? It's a great illustration that, that what God is doing might not be received by some people. It's certainly what Jesus has just experienced, right? He's been criticized, he's been called the devil, it's not good enough, it's not enough. (laughs) So obviously, the good work that he was doing wasn't landing in some very fertile soil. 
And so we have these various forms of soil that illustrate the condition of the human heart, right? We have the, 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 the hardened, almost like asphalt, baked clay. Has anybody ever had to dig through clay? Anybody ever had to dig through baked clay and, and your shovel breaks or bends? How can a seed get into that, right? It's so hard. And that's what happens. Sometimes in life, our hearts get so hard. Nope, it's just, it just bounces right off. There's just not even a crack for, for the good word to come in. And some hearts might have, not have a whole lot of, of depth, perhaps. You know, maybe there's a lot of rocks and there's not a lot of depth. And so, so what is planted there can't endure when there comes a hard season. I've seen this sometimes. Folks will say, yay, Jesus, Jesus loves me, and then go forward in faith thinking nothing bad's ever going to happen. But we still live in this world, and, and bad things do happen, and that just challenges their faith, and it can wither and die away because there's just no depth to nourish it in that hard time. And some human hearts can have a lot of distractions like, like thorns and thistles in a field, right, that can choke out what is, what is planted and is growing and is good. I know I can have a lot of distractions in my life. Anybody worry? Beth and I are the only people in this room who worry? Okay, there we go, yeah. <laughs> you know, we worry, we fret, we get, just get distracted by what we want next in life. And, and that kind of chokes out, we forget we forget about the good news. We forget about serving God. We just become forgetful. But then there's soil. There are hearts, like really good soil, where a seed that's planted in it just starts growing, and it continues to grow, and it's nourished, and it continues to grow, and it just continues to then to, to grow so much that it brings about new seeds, and it, and it reproduces. Of course, that's the way we want our hearts to be, right? And amen, right? Yeah, I want my heart to be like that. I really don't want it to be rocky. I don't want it to be filled with thorns. I don't want it to be so hard-baked clay that nothing can get in. I really want my heart to be this kind of soil. And I know that this can be very tempting. We can use it against other folks, right? You know, like, oh, Jenny, <laughs> She has a heart that's like really good soil. Everything just grows. And then there might be people who will be like, oh, Lisa. You know, it's just full of thistles and distractions. And um, we, we could be tempted to use this parable to label other folks. And maybe that was a little bit of what was going on there at the sea, um, by the Sea of Galilee, you know, to, uh, to become choosy then and selective on, on where the good news is going to go. Maybe, maybe as Jesus was dealing with his critics, maybe his disciples were going, don't worry about them. Forget about them. Don't give them any more of your time and attention. They don't deserve it. So the temptation is real. It can be real in our lives. 
I'm not going to talk to that person ever anymore. All they ever do, they're always skeptical about everything. I'm just not going to talk about faith with them ever again because they're always skeptical. They're so contrary all the time. Or maybe, you know, that person stopped coming to church, so I'm not going to go see him in the hospital. They don't deserve my visit. Or perhaps, and this is something that we have to deal with, perhaps we might say, why are we going to fix up this person's house? Are they going to keep it good? Maybe they don't deserve it. But the parable is very clear about how God does ministry. God does ministry like a sower who just takes the seed and scatters it. Modern-day farmers would probably be absolutely appalled at this way of sowing seed, you know, not caring. I know that seed is so precious, and to get it right in the right places, you know, takes a lot of equipment, right? You just don't cast it about, but that's the story, is that this sower cast it everywhere, not just in the places where the sower thought they deserved it. The sower isn't picky about where the seed lands. He just knows it is his job to scatter the seed. It is your job as you go to, where are we going? Jackson. As we go to Jackson, it's our job just to scatter the seed. The sower is gracious and abundant, almost scandalously so. That is the image for our ministry, whether it's work camp or whether it's in your families, whether it's in the ministry you do and participate in in the life of this church, whether it's how you do work out in your work field or in your neighborhood or in your family, whatever. Our image for ministry is to be like the sower, full of graciousness and mercy and abundance, just scattering the seeds of love everywhere we go. Everywhere, even if it lands in places that it might not grow. Jesus, the gracious sower of God's love, who sowed the seed of love and mercy to us, even when our hearts may not have been ready for it. You see, because that is, a, that is the truth of the, of the message in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. It says, God... for." God died for us while we were yet sinners. This proves God's love for us. Jesus did it even when we weren't ready. Jesus did it when people were mocking him on the cross. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Jesus kept sowing seeds of love no matter what and with no matter whom. This is our image for ministry, friends. May it be our image for work camp. May it be our image for how we live our lives as followers of Jesus. Let it be so that we sow the seeds of love and mercy everywhere we go. Amen.